0: This is the Old Radio Show's
1: podcast.
0: water the got just right. Who could that be ringing? I suppose I'd better answer it. Hello? Oh, hello. No, I can't now. I'm running my bath. Ring again in half an hour. Yeah, all right. You would have to phone at this time. It's
1: enough <laughs> hey, Who's that? Who? Who is it? You?
0: What the devil are you doing here? No, no, no. Get out. Get out. Get out, get out I you, Let me go. Let
1: me go. BBC presents A Case for Dr. Morel. Another adventure by Ernest Dudley. With Cecil Parker as the famous Dr. Morell, and Sheila Sim as his secretary, Miss Frail. The will.
2: Hello, this is Dr. Morell's house. Roses. These roses. What? Roses. These roses. What? Morel.
1: What is it, Miss
2: It's Mr. Beaumont. He sounds very ill.
1: I'll speak to him. Dr. Morell here. I'm, I'm choking to death, Doctor. That, uh, this asthma. Someone put roses on the table. Take the adrenaline injection I prescribed yes, for you. I have, but it doesn't help. I've got to see you. Very well. I'll,
2: I'll come right away. Oh, Mr. Beaumont, it must be dreadful for him causes this asthma, Doctor? Well, asthma
1: is a spasmodic condition of the tubes or bronchi that lead to the lungs. Uh, The patient is unable to exhale the dead air and feels that he is suffocating. Well
2: how can roses give him asthma? They're such lovely flowers.
1: The symbol of love, eh, Miss Faye?
2: Oh, oh, I wasn't thinking of them in that way, Doctor. Never
1: mind, so long as you think of them. What do you mean? He has been an unresponsive patient. Uh, Now the moment has arrived to accelerate the treatment. Hurry out at once and buy some roses.
2: Roses, Dr. Morell? For me? Uh,
1: get them from Finlayson's in Oxford Street.
2: Finlinson's? The doctor. Three
1: dozen roses.
2: Uh, red roses
1: which symbolize love and romance to you, uh, but which to Mr. Beaumont symbolize suffocation. Oh, you,
2: you want me to get them right away? Uh,
1: yes, before Mr. Beaumont...
2: Yes, Dr. Morell. Well, that'll be Mr. Beaumont. Is Dr. Morell... He's waiting for you, Mr. Beaumont. I do hope you're feeling better. Oh, yes,
1: thanks, but well, I really thought I'd had it that time. I'm
2: so sorry. Oh,
1: I felt as if I'd never get my breath.
2: Come this way. Mr. Beaumont, Dr. Morrell.
1: Uh, come in. All right, Miss Frail. Uh, sit down, won't you? Uh, thank
2: you.
1: Oh, the... Those roses. What? The, the, those roses on your desk. Oh, Miss Frail must have put them there. How careless of her. I can't breathe. The perfume, I'm joking. Give me a shot, Doctor. Adrenaline. Relax, Mr. Beaumont. I'll, I'll, relax. I choked to death. I'll give you a hypodermic. What oh, is asthma. Uh, let me help you off with your coat. Oh, thank you. Undo your cuff, uh, Yes. Your sleeve uh, a bit hurry, higher.
2: Hurry, Doctor.
1: Now, that's it. Now, try and relax. Uh, oh, yes. That's better. I... I... I really thought I was going to die. Death, a necessary end, will come when it will come. How were those roses left there when you were expecting me? I must reprimand Miss Prale for her carelessness. According to her, they symbolize romance. Look at this one. No, no really, I... What? Well, it's made of paper. Precisely. A paper rose. They're all paper roses. But I don't understand. You mean... Miss Prale has just brought them back from a shop in Oxford Street. Very realistic, don't you think? Paper roses, not real roses at all. No more than the adrenaline in the hypodermic injection. It was merely sterile water. Water? Paper roses and water. But but what are you getting at? What does this mean? It means that your asthma attacks are not the result of an allergy to roses. They are caused by a neurosis. A fear of something you are afraid to reveal. Uh, fear? Therefore, the next step, Mr. Beaumont, is to discover what it is you are frightened of. seven or eight weeks ago, Dr. Morell, I'd gone up to Uncle Herbert's bedroom. He wasn't there. The bathroom door was open, and quite by chance I glanced in, and there he was in the bath. He'd slipped and hit his head. I I started to pull him out, and then this extraordinary sensation came over me. An overwhelming compulsion to leave him as he was? Everything flashed through my mind. The fact that his will was in my favor, and that by leaving him, I wouldn't really be guilty of having murdered him. But, in fact, you got your uncle out of the bath. Yes. I I carried him into the bedroom, and within a few minutes he'd recovered and was perfectly all right. I left a couple of hours later and got a taxi home. It was dark. And I I hadn't been in the taxi long when I I noticed the scent roses. And and then the rose became absolutely overpowering. I I I had to stop the taxi. In the corner was a bunch of roses. They'd been left there by the previous passenger. By now I... I was almost choking to death. And I had to get another taxi to take home. At last we are arriving at the truth. Yes, I I know. I've not been very frank with you. Uh, This was the first asthmatic attack which you attributed to roses. That first attack passed off. But that night I, I couldn't sleep. I kept on realizing how near death my uncle had been. And it would have been my fault. Shall we say your uncle's will plays an important part in the matter? It's because he keeps on changing it. Sometimes he gets the idea that he'll leave the lot to me. Another time, he changes his mind and leaves it all to Aunt Henrietta. Then he'll get another idea and leave half to us each. Or he'll decide he ought to leave some to Darrell, the manservant, who's been with him about 12 years. <laughs> it's almost a joke. Except there's nothing very funny about being left 20,000 pounds. And even less amusing not to be left Oh, He drives old Coghill, his lawyer, up the wall. What is your aunt's reaction to all this? Well, she's pretty eccentric, too. I tell you that old house is like something you've never seen aunt henrietta obsessed with her aviary of tropical birds and uncle who spends hours totting up how much money he has and deciding who's to get it when he dies no one else occupies the house only darrell the manservant i mentioned how he copes i just don't know (laughs) except that there's the chance he'll collect several thousand in fact he might get the lot and you are a frequent visitor to the house oh yes i'm always in and out my flat's only the other side of Wimbledon Common. They're lonely and, well, no one else ever goes to see them. Your most forgiving this eccentric old couple pleasure of your company would be purely disinterested? Uh, yes. Oh. Come now, Mr. Beaumont. You've made it clear that you might inherit a large sum of money upon your uncle's death. Obviously, you are profoundly inhibited by the prospect. I might as well confess it, Dr. Morello. Confession is good for the soul, Mr. Beaumont. I am flat broke. Oh, i tried to hold down half a dozen jobs in the past couple of years without success. So your visits to the house at Wimbledon are quite calculated? I suppose you, you might say so. There is precious little supposition about it. You are doing your utmost to remain in your uncle's affections in the hope that you will benefit by his death. In my secret heart, yes. It is into your secret heart that we are seeing. There lie your subconscious guilt complexes and your obsessive fancy that roses give you asthma. What can I do to help myself? Concentrate your mind. More upon trying to obtain some employment which will make you independent of any legacy. All right. I'll pull myself together and see if I can land a job and stick to it. Dr.
2: Morrell?
1: Oh, Mr. Beaumont is just going, Miss Frail. He'll be ringing up for an appointment in a week's time. Thanks, Doctor, very much for all you've done. And... Well, I'll try and sort myself out. Goodbye, Mr. Beaumont. <laughs>
3: We must cover you up for the night. Are you there, Henrietta? Yes. What is it you want? Henrietta, where are you? I'm here, yeah, Herbert. What do you want? Henrietta. The, oh, there you are. Oh, what do you want? Oh, I've been looking all over. You can't hear
0: a thing with these blessed
3: birds. Is it anything important?
0: Of course it's important. Otherwise I wouldn't want to talk to you about so it. Well, I'll just keep you in a minute. Oh, I can't talk here with all this noise. I both belong, Herbert. Huh?
3: I'm going to the sitting room. Well, I'll come in the I'll... Yeah, it's time to go. What is it, Herbert? Ah, there you are, Henrietta. What do you want to talk to me about? Yes.
0: Oh, oh, no, yes, yes. uh, It's about David.
3: David? What about him? Do hurry up. I've got to talk to Daryl about dinner. All I shall want is a little consomme, but uh, I think you want an omelet.
0: Do you realize he's only been to see us once in the last week? Who? David, of course. Not like him at all used to be here almost every day.
3: Personally, I'm very
0: glad. But I thought you liked him. Of course I like David.
3: Isn't he my
0: nephew? He's my
3: nephew too. Oh. Why doesn't he come and
0: see us as much as he used to?
3: For the reason he's given us, I hope. He's trying to get himself a job. You really believe that? Yes, of
0: course. He's had other jobs and none of them have done any good.
3: And do you want to know why, Herbert? Because he was thinking of the money he'll get from you. Oh,
0: what absolute exaggeration. Now, you
3: know you enjoy having this power over him, of being able to leave him money or not as you wish. I
0: don't know what you're chattering about.
3: You may be an eccentric old man. Now, you're but... a fine one to talk, those blessed tropical birds. Well, I don't deny it. But I have 20,000 pounds to leave when I die. You will have if
0: I die first and leave the lot to you.
3: I don't care whether I get your money or not. And you know it. It doesn't give me any sleepless nights. But that was why David couldn't hang on to his jobs. And I hope he's realized it at last it's bad for him to rely on
0: you. But why shouldn't I change me will as often as I like? If it amuses me so to do.
3: No reason at all. It's your
0: money. In any case, that wasn't what I wanted to talk to you about. It was David not coming to
3: see us so much. What is it? I thought I heard someone outside the door. What is it, Errol? Nothing, miss. What were you doing? Tying up your shoelace? I wanted to ask you about dinner tonight. All right. I'll come and talk to you An omelette for you, Herbert? Yes, Anita. Now, I shall have some consomme, Darryl.
2: Mr. Vickers will
3: have an omelette.
0: All this talk about wills and dying. Why, I feel good enough for another 20 years.
3: I don't know about you, Herbert, but I'm going to bed.
0: Hmm? What's the
3: time? It's just... Nine. Oh, I was up early this morning. Will you require anything further
0: tonight? You no, know, thank you, Darrell. You can lock up. Very good, miss. Oh, uh, Yes, sir. Before you go into town tomorrow morning, come along to the study, will you? I want you to witness a document for me. Very well, sir. Oh, and if you'd ask Mrs... Uh, what's your name? Mr. Daly Hope. Mrs. Anderson. <laughs> yes. yes. I want her too as the other witness. Very good, sir. Uh, Mr. Coghill will be here. Then you'll want coffee, sir. Oh, yes, he must have his cup of coffee. You've quite got to know his habits. Well, Mr. Coghill's been coming here quite often. That's what my sister's complaining of. Hey, Henrietta? Doesn't like law, yes. Oh, good night, Darrell. Good night, sir. Uh, good night, miss.
3: Good night, Darrell. Good night, Darrell. So. You're going to change your precious will again. I might. I might. Well, no, I'll just go and see that my birds are safe, then I'm off to bed. Well, oh, good night, dear. Don't you fall asleep and set fire to yourself with that cigar. I'll be going to bed
0: myself in a few moments. Good
3: night, then. Oh, no.
1: oh
0: i go and run my bath. Oh, I wonder what
1: suit to put on tomorrow.
0: Must look smart for old Coghill. My tweed jacket? No, I think the black suit. Oh, or will that look as if I'm in mourning. Mm, perhaps not quite the thing for discussing my will. No, I think I'll put on the brown suit. will oh, oh, oh. Oh, be ready now. Water's hot enough. Just wait. Oh, dear me, who could that be ringing? I suppose I'd better answer it. Hello? hello? Oh, hello. No, I can't now. I'm running the bath. Ring again in half an hour. All right. Yes. Goodbye. Would have to phone at a time like this. Oh, that's enough water. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> Oh the oh. Who's there? Who? Who is it? You? What the devil are you doing here? Get out. Get out, I tell you. Let me go. Let go. Ah!
1: Ah, yeah, Miss Frail, I wanted to ask you about these slides which have been under this microscope.
2: It's Mr. Beaumont.
1: Uh, the blood specimens which I had for examination. Uh,
2: Mr. Beaumont's on the telephone.
1: Beaumont? At this time of night? He says it's very urgent. Now well, speak to him. Did he sound as if troubled again by asthma? No, but he's very agitated. Dr. Morel here. This is,
0: this is David Beaumont. It's my uncle. He's, he's just been found
1: dead. Uh, his path. Where are you speaking from, Mr. Beaumont?
2: My uncle's house at Wimbledon. C- can you come over as soon as possible?
1: Did you discover your uncle? No,
2: no, it, it was my aunt.
1: Where were you at the time? I, well, that's just it.
2: You see, it was just as I called at the house on my way to my flat that it happened. But I didn't do it, Dr. Morella. I, I didn't do it.
1: I'll come once. Miss Freya.
2: Yes, Dr. Morella?
1: Is it a very pleasant night for a drive?
2: Not especially if there's a bit of a wind and the forecast said rain. What a pity. Why?
1: Because we're driving to Wimbledon immediately.
2: Those look like the gates, Dr. Morell, just ahead. Then we'll turn in there. Yes. Yes, I can read the name of the house in the headlights. Mm, looks a tumbled down, here. From what I can see of it in the dark someone at the
1: door. Doubtless Mr. Beaumont will be waiting for us.
2: Come along, Miss Vale. Oh, it's blowing up for a storm, all right. Look at the clouds across the moon. Oh, thank goodness you've come, Dr. Morell. Hello, Miss Vale. I'm awfully sorry to hear your news. Come in, please.
1: Come upstairs to Uncle's bedroom. I'll lead the way. Where is your aunt? In her own room. The shock proved a bit much for her.
2: Poor thing.
1: When she found Uncle, she called Daryl and they got him out of the bath. Daryl tried artificial respiration, but... It was no good. However, you'd better see him for yourself. In here, Doctor, we got him onto the bed. Yes. I fear your uncle is dead, Mr. Beaumont. We, we did our best to revive him. What was the time approximately when your aunt discovered uh, him? Just before I phoned you.
2: That was about a quarter to eleven. Yes. He, he
1: had his bath just after nine. The water was cold. Has the bath been emptied? No. I'd like to test the water. Uh, by all means. Wait here, Miss Frail. Yes, Doctor Murray. Uh, shall I come with you? If you wish. bathroom windows are closed, and there's a certain amount of condensation. <laughs> as you say, it is cold. How is the water heated? Uh, by an immersion heater. The tank's inside this cupboard. There's another bathroom the other end of the passage, near Aunt's room. I see. Dr. Morell, the, the reason I sent for you is that... Well, don't you see... No that? need to explain the obvious. You fear that you will be suspected of being concerned with your uncle's death? But if he's altered his will in my favor, as he may have done it... It'll look black against me. You. You're taking a somewhat hysterical viewpoint. Plenty of evidence will be forthcoming to show whether or not death was the result of natural causes. Uh, let us return. To the... Well, the assumption is that your uncle suffered a heart attack while having his bath. or oh, that he just fainted. Uh, that would appear to be unlikely.
2: Why, Doctor? What do you mean?
1: Uh, had he fainted, he would presumably have fallen back against the bath. Uh, water entering his mouth or nose as a result uh, would bring him out of his fainting attack. You mean... He must have slipped like he did that other time and struck his head. Hmm. In this case, there is no evidence of bruising. Well, then it must have been his heart. Well, has he ever been affected by such an attack before? No, I don't think so.
2: Huh.
1: I can see no external indication that he suffered from any heart condition. But what are you saying?
2: Dr. Morell, I'm
1: I... saying nothing. Beyond that there seems to be no evidence so far to suggest the cause of death, the post-mortem may reveal something significant... Perhaps I could see your aunt. Uh, Yes, I'll take you to her. Miss Flair. Yes, Doctor? uh, Would you telephone about a doctor? Yes. I'll give you the phone number of Uncle's doctor. Oh, thank you. Uh, What about the police? We may leave that for the moment. All right. Aunt Henrietta's room is this way.
3: I good night to Herbert an hour and a half before Dr. Morel and had gone to bed.
1: But you got up and went to see him again for some reason? It
3: was this ridiculous business of his constantly changing his will. Yes, I know
1: something of this idiosyncrasy from your nephew.
3: I told him before dinner how upsetting it was to people who might be left money. Sometimes one particular person was going to benefit, and then for no reason at all he'd alter the will, and that person would be cut clean out. The whole thing was quite ludicrous. Do you know if the present will affects you, for instance? Frankly, no. And I'd got tired of caring. But David had become profoundly affected by prospects of being left all this money. Then after dinner, Herbert made it clear he was going to change his will again. He told Daryl, his manservant, that his lawyer would be coming over in the morning and that he'd want Daryl and the daily help as witnesses. The man's servant was a beneficiary under the present will. Herbert had told him that he left him £5,000. Uh-huh. Quite a large sum of money. And my brother had also said to me that David was to get the rest. 15000 plus this house when I died. I see. Uh, oh, dear, I was worried about him changing the will again. I'd asked him to stop all this nonsense because it was upsetting David. So I... I went along to his room... The bathroom door was open and I went in and found him. I shouted gal, and together we got him out of the bath.
1: And it so happened that about this time your nephew called?
3: He was on his way home and he stopped to come in and see us. It was terrible shock for him, almost as if he felt he himself was in some way responsible for what had happened.
2: As soon as he returns, please. It's most urgent. Thank you. Oh, there you are, Dr. Morell. The doctor's out on a case, but I've left a message for him to come out as soon as possible.
1: Thank you, Miss Frail.
2: Dr. Morell? What is it? I was thinking how strong the perfume was from this bowl of roses.
1: Their scent is a trifle overpowering. Dr. Morell, Darrell is coming along now to see you. Good. I require a few words with him. I'll go and see how Aunt Henrietta is, unless you want me to stay here. no. I thought I might ask her to help me get some tea or coffee. It would occupy her mind. An excellent suggestion. Oh, here is, Darrell. I'll be back in a few minutes. You wish to speak to me, Dr. Moreau? There are one or two matters you might be able to clear up. If I can, Doctor, I will, of course.
2: Doctor, what's that bowl of roses got to do with
1: it? With what, Miss Frale?
2: Oh, oh, nothing. It was just an idea of mine.
1: Uh, Darrell, uh, you assisted Miss Vickers to get her brother out of the bar. That's right. I heard a calling out for help, and I hurried along to the bathroom. Where were you at the time? I was in my own room, getting ready to go to bed. How long have you been in Mr. Vickers' employment? Getting on for 12 years. Would you say that he thought highly of you? I'd like to think so, sir. Poor old gentleman. I was devoted to him. Yes, and he appreciated your devotion to the extent of making you a beneficiary under his will. Well... That is what I've been given to understand. What I mean is... That you didn't know where you stood with him. he cut you out of his will as quick as he put you in.
2: He must have been a very odd old gentleman.
1: He was, miss, a proper eccentric. About leaving his money, that is. Uh, had you ever known him suffer from giddiness or heart attacks? I can't say I did,
2: Doctor, but he was getting on a bit. I suppose the bath was too hot and he must have fainted.
1: You don't really believe that, do you? How do you mean?
2: What else could it be? It is hardly
1: conceivable for anyone to drown as a result of a fainting attack while taking a bath. The position in which Miss Bickers found the body lying back against the bath precludes that idea. At the same time, there appears to be no external evidence that Bickers suffered from a heart condition. Perhaps he fell and knocked himself out. I could find no bruises suggestive of that. Then what? The... One other alternative opposite, itself. What? Murder. Dr. Morel, you don't believe me. Who want to murder Mr. Bickers? Murder? That is a question for the police. Miss Vale.
2: Yes, Doctor. If you
1: would put a call through to the local police station.
2: Yes, Doctor Morel.
1: Did you, Darrell, observe the marks round the deceased's ankles? His ankles? No, I didn't notice anything.
2: Marks on his ankles?
1: As if they'd been grasped by someone lifting up the legs so that he was suddenly submerged. Who'd do a thing like that? Someone who, for instance, learned that he was about to alter his will, cutting them out, where otherwise they would have benefited.
2: Doctor Morell, if poor Mr. Dickens was gripped by the ankles, there'll be fingerprints.
1: Fingerprints? That was just what I was about to explain. Fingerprints on a wet skin? And fingerprints never lie. They may be invisible to the naked eye, but they are there, placed there by the murderer's own hands, whose psychic excitement in the commission of the crime is increased a hundredfold.
0: Why are you staring at me?
1: Those latent fingerprints, chemically more permanent than they might be ordinarily. Permanent enough to withstand water, however hot, up to 500 degrees centigrade.
2: I suppose I die alone, and get the exchange.
1: Put down that phone. What? Put it down,
0: I'll wipe you out too. Oh. I wasn't gonna let that old fool cut me out again.
2: So it was you. Oh, Mr. Bones. Down! It was you but, but... Oh, Dr. Morrell.
1: That should keep him quiet until the police arrive. He's out cold.
2: Oh, Dr. Morrell, you've saved. Dell, oh, but
1: how did you know? What would you want to him?
2: Uh, Miss Frail can explain. He oh, came to me in a flash. Oh, very brave of you not to move from the phone. Oh, Dr. Morell asked me to get the police, and I always obey his instructions. But you haven't obeyed Miss Frail. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, no, in the excitement, I quite forgot. Oh, the way you caught him with that bowl of roses, Dr. Morell. Pretty
1: quick of you. Well, I was grateful to you for distracting his attention. Well, I came back to ask
2: which you'd prefer, tea or coffee? Oh, tea, please. Dr. Morell and I oh. always have tea when we work late at night.
1: Are you getting on to the police, Miss Frale? Oh, yes,
2: I'm just about to, Doctor. Uh, let me
1: do it, Miss Frail.
2: Oh, thank you. I, I do feel a bit sort of overexcited.
3: Exchange? Put me on to Wimbledon police station.
2: Yes, Doctor. I suddenly realized that he must have left fingerprints when he gripped the poor old man's ankle.
1: He was certainly under that impression, too.
2: What do you mean? You agreed with me. You said how even hot water wouldn't remove them. Up to 500 degrees centigrade.
1: I took advantage of the fear your observation obviously aroused in him. But... Fingerprints can remain after immersion in hot water, but they do not even appear on the surface of human skin.
2: If it wasn't the hint I gave you, what was it? The police are on their way, and quickly.
1: Gordon? What was it made you realize it was him? Well, your uncle had asked Darrell to witness the changed will tomorrow. He knew at once that he was being cut out of the present one, which left him 5,000 uh, pounds. No one can witness a will from which they may benefit.
2: Why, of course. Oh, my idea about the fingerprints was all wrong.
1: I fear so, Miss Frail. Uh, by the same reasoning, Mr. Beaumont, uh, your aunt was obviously not implicated hmm? for all she knew she might benefit by the new will yes i see but the roses that bowl of roses what about them don't they have some connection
2: with what happened
1: only that mr beaumont doesn't appear to have noticed their presence
2: why that's true
1: (laughs) i haven't which merely proved to me that your fear that you might be responsible for your uncle's death was no longer present in your subconscious therefore i knew that you at least mr beaumont had no guilty secret ...in connection with tonight's
0: murder.
1: That was another adventure in the BBC series featuring Ernest his famous character, Dr. Morel. And, of course, his secretary, Miss Frail. The artists taking part were Dr. Morell, Cecil Parker... Miss Frail Sim, Herbert Vickers, Douglas Young, Henrietta Vickers, Nan Kenway, David Beaumont, David Spencer, Darrell Will Lake. This recorded programme was produced by Leslie Bridgman.